Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I'm confused. <laughs> this is episode 73, and we're reviewing FLCL, a.k.a. Footy Cootie. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode, so you've been warned. I knew you were going to be confused. I warned you. <laughs> I said, let's watch Footy Cootie for our classic anime review. And I said, you're going to be confused, but just watch it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of scared watching it because when you first explained it to me, you were like, you're not going to understand any of it. And it's true. And yeah, I so wasn't exaggerating. Who knows how this, how <laughs> this review literal. and discussion is going to go. <laughs> I tried to piece it together as best as I could, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, before we jump into that, what's going on with us? What's what's new with us in our, our anime lives it's weird because I know that in other podcasts, people will be like, hey, so what's new with you? What what have you been doing this week or whatever? I mean, we see each other every minute of every day. So it's kind of weird to ask that. So instead, we talk about anime. <laughs> yeah, I've been slacking on the anime front. Um, I haven't caught up on any of the shows I plan to catch up on. Um, but I think like we one show we've both been watching together besides Furikuri is... Uh, finishing off super crooks on netflix and that's been it started off pretty slowly but it's starting to amp up i think we're two all right we have two episodes left in the show yeah i was not engrossed in the first like four to five episodes then it started to get better i was like okay now it's getting interesting um and now that we're nearing the end it's sort of tapering off again but who knows maybe it'll pick up in the last two episodes kind of like a roller coaster of like it was down for a while then it got up and it's down, and now maybe it's up again. I don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a bunch of villains that are trying to pull off the greatest heist in villain history. <laughs> um, the weird thing is, we talked about this, I think, in our fall impressions, is that this is an adaptation of an American comic or graphic novel. So I am very intrigued that they decided to go with an anime adaptation. Even though this this feels like a a sort of like DC animated film, yeah, and the animation style they went with it has a similar vibe to Great Pretender, which is also mm-hmm. a quote unquote Netflix anime. But it looks it's like if you literally took a an American DC comic and like mushed it with an anime, it's like the perfect blend of like the anime aesthetic, but also the American comic aesthetic. So I, I kind of like the the balance that they struck. And maybe it's because I think the final half of the show, this might be spoilers, but uh, the final part of the show takes place in Japan. Like that's the only reason I can see them wanting to 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 use a an anime studio instead of a traditional. But like that's, I feel like that's a stretch. <laughs> I think it's, it's interesting for the most part. Um, I just like that concept of, following the villain story instead of the the heroes mm-hmm. um at one point they are in chicago so that's pretty cool um but it's it's like what one or two episodes yeah the only real semblance you get of chicago is the l train like there aren't any other featured landmarks of the city but Which is i mean funny it's... because for anyone who has lived in chicago if you live in a building that's right next to or very close to the l you know what happens when you're having a conversation and then the L goes mm-hmm. by. You can't hear shit. You can't hear anything. And that yeah. happens in the anime where 
this one character is trying to explain the big scheme that they're all going to pull off. Um, but we as the audience aren't like privy to that. So they intentionally have the L roll by while he's you know telling them all the juicy details. So you just see, you see his lips moving, but all you hear is the screeching of the CTA. And so like that's, that's so accurate. that's a hundred percent accurate. Cause uh, when I was in college, I lived in um, a building that wasn't right next to the CTA, but it was um, across a, like an open space. So the sound was loud enough that you would have to either pause what was on the TV or turn the volume up really high because the L just drowns it all out. I mean, they, they have quote unquote soundproof windows now, but they really don't do much um, next to <laughs> next to an L train track. Yeah. So. And for anyone who's not familiar. So um, in Chicago, there's the public transit system called the CTA, the Chicago Transit Authority. Um, and part of that is like the train that is half like technically it's like half subway because parts of it go underground and then parts of it go above ground. So when it's above ground, it's usually on the north or the south side. And that's where a lot of like residential buildings are at. Um, so when you when the when the train goes by, it's very very loud. But it's called the L, but people also refer to it refer to it as the CTA. Um, well, L is because it's elevated. I thought it was because of the loop. I thought the the loop was just called the loop. I always thought because <laughs> isn't it L like the letter L, not E L. Like elevated. Oh, now you're I, I always thought it was making me question my Chicago knowledge. Like the general term people use is the CTA, which you could also technically refer to as like the buses. According to TransitChicago.com, CTA's train system is known as the L, a now official name originally short for elevated. Oh, so, it's just weird that it's not E L. It's just the letter L. Yeah, that's why I always thought. Oh, it's for the loop. Like I figured you call the L in the loop. And then outside of the loop, for anyone who's not familiar, the loop is like the the main downtown area of Chicago, um, and it's called the loop. I, okay, I'm gonna probably I would say this too. the loop is like the the major hub for the subway system. Yeah, where it literally goes in a loop. It goes in a circle yeah. around the main um, downtown area. But of the Chicago. entire the entire system is called the L. <sighs> Well, I learned something today, <laughs> and other people probably learned something today. But anyway, that's what we're referring to. It's extremely loud when it's um, above ground. And yeah, if you live next to it, you're not going to hear shit when it goes by. What were we talking Oh, <laughs> talking about Super Crooks. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, what were we talking about? <laughs> that, that's Super Crooks. And yeah, like I said, I haven't caught up on my other anime. I have been watching some normie shows, one of which is The Book of Boba Fett. Uh, for any Star Wars fans out there, I'm sure you're our regular listeners don't want to hear me ramble about that or talk well, praises of it. Well, maybe they'd be interested. I mean, we won't say what happened in the latest episode, but I was I was doing the dishes while you had it on in the background, and I just like keep hearing them talk, and I'm like, this sounds like an anime training arc. Like that's all I'm gonna oh, say, but yeah. I was kind of like, this, this sounds <laughs> like an anime training arc. Like, what are you watching? <laughs> you came in at the right episode because this is, I think, currently the series is on episode six. And there have been a lot of pivotal moments in the show, but this episode contains a majority of them. Um, but it's funny because there's a meme going around right now that a lot of the recent, or uh, most of the two recent episodes have not featured the titular character, Boba Fett. What the hell does titular mean? Titular means like 
the 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 name or thing featured in the title. Oh. Oh, like title? Yeah, Is that where, where the like, word stems from? I thought it was like yeah. movies. No. <laughs> Every time I hear tit- titular, I didn't realize it stemmed from like the, the base word is title. Yeah, the title, yeah. The title character. Oh, okay. I thought it was like tits or something. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah the recent two episodes, um, they kind of put Boba Fett in the background. So um, it's kind of funny. There's a meme going around online that breaking news, the next episode will feature Boba Fett in a cameo in the book of Boba Fett. So <laughs> I think that's the last episode too. But yeah, it's it's an interesting so- show. It's not as captivating as The Mandalorian was. But again, I think a lot of the hype for the show is generating now with, with the climax descending upon us. But yeah, that's that's been my, my couple of days. How about you? Um, mine have been filled with more binging anime. Not nearly as much as my binge run at the end of 2021, but I still, I mean, I'm, I'm a binge watcher. I'm still going to binge anime. I recently watched Dororo, the the remake that came out in 2019. Um, story-wise, loved it. Thought it was fantastic. Execution or like animation-wise, I, I thought it was somewhat disappointing um i thought the animation was subpar and which is which is interesting because mappa is involved in in the animation and we all know mappa is like this powerhouse animation studio i don't know maybe it was like the one anime during 2019 they they had less resources to to dedicate toward but yeah i was a bit disappointed in that and then the pacing felt strange like it was all over the place at times it was too fast at times and then once in a while, it'd be like really slow pacing. So, I mean, despite all that, like I still enjoyed it. I think I gave it like a seven out of 10. Um, but I really wish it was like MAPA like level quality because then I think it would have been a much heavier hitter of an anime. Uh, but finish that. I'm finally making my way through. Wait, oh- Dororo is the manga that was by Osamu. Osamu Tezuka, the the god of manga. <laughs> yes, and there was an original anime that came out in the 60s. Um, mm. And so this is like the remake of it. And so I figured it being a remake of a pretty pivotal anime, it, the execution would have been better. But yeah, I was just like honestly sorely disappointed in, in the animation and the pacing and, and all of that. The voice acting was great. They had, I think I had like an actual little girl voicing um, one of the younger characters. So it felt like a real kid. Versus like an adult trying to voice um, a child, so that was pretty pretty nice, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's definitely worth the watch. The story is really 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 good, uh, but just be ready for like the visuals to not blow you away. Would you watch the original nineteen sixty nine TV series? Probably not. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not into older anime like like classic anime. I know we, we call like Footy Cootie classic or like Bebop classic, but like a true classic anime, probably less so. I have watched stuff um, from, you know, like the like the black and white days of anime because I was I took an, an anime class in college. So, yeah, I thought it was enjoyable, but it's not something I seek out. The other thing that I'm watching, did I say this already? I'm, I'm trying to finish Awadi no Seraph, which is Seraph of the End. Yeah, you were watching it earlier, and it was at, like, two times speed. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is happening in this show? Okay, so it's it's got a lot of hype, and or at least it did when it aired. It's in the uh, One Million Members Club on my anime list, Mal. And 
the character so it's i think this is by mappa as well um oh sorry wit studio and it has the same animation style as the first the the, the wit studio days of attack on titan like the bolder lines the mm. like the eyes like everything looks very much attack on titan it's not identical but it has that feel to it and one of the main characters is like super fucking hot so i was like i'll, I'll watch it and, and there's like a powerhouse cast of characters. So I, it has all of the makings of a great anime. But something about it, at least the first season, is kind of like slow. I gave it a 6 out of 10. Um, the second Ooh. season is actually a little bit better. I'm like two episodes away from finishing it. But I'd say it's on par to be like a 7 out of 10. But Is that I, why you're like flying through it? Yeah, I just can't get <laughs> into the story. I don't know what it is. Like... I, I, I had high hopes for it. I'm not really into vampire anime, but, you know, I'm trying to keep my, my mind open about different types of anime. Um, I would say the character, some of the character relationships are probably what keep me coming back to it and wanting to finish it. Not the overall story about, like, the humans versus vampires because it just feels done before. It's like the vampires are fighting against the humans. Well, the humans like are the protagonists, I guess. They're fighting against the vampires who are trying to use them as livestock and, and food and all that stuff. Um, and I don't, I don't know. Like it's, it's fine. It's fine. But anyway, two episodes away from finishing that, um, and then I can put Seraph of the End to bed. And then I plan to finally fucking start ReZero. You know, after all of the hype has died down. For some reason, we do that sometimes. Like with My Hero, we watched it after the hype of whatever season was airing at the time. Mm -hmm. um, JoJo, I jumped in literally days after part five ended. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I just, I need to wait a little bit before I feel compelled to watch something. So ReZero, I know, is a major anime with a huge following and tons of memes. Um, so finally, I will start that. Interesting. Yeah, it's weird how we never really follow the hype train until the hype train is passed. And then we're yeah. like the straggling passengers who happen to catch up to the caboose. <laughs> hey, as long as we watch them at the end of the day, I, I think that's that's all that matters. But I think it's time to expound on our confusion with Furikuri, FLCL. Do you say FLCL or do you say Furikuri? I mean, I've heard you refer to it as Furikuri many times. Furikuri? F U R I K U R. I mean, that's or the Jap the, the the Japanese pronunciation is furikuri. Um, obviously, the Western or English pronunciation is fulikuli, which is where F L C L comes from. But I think, like in, most people know, in Japanese, there's not like a distinct L or R sound. They kind of are blended together. So I, I don't know. I just gravitated towards saying footy cootie from when it started airing, and I just it stuck with me. Um, but yeah, FLCL, I don't know. Anyway, I'll stick with footy cootie because that's the most common pronunciation I've heard, again, especially from you and a lot of our friends who've watched the show. The only, I guess the first time I heard about this was actually from a, a drawstring bag. Or not oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, that was when we went to Anime Central. Uh, I don't remember what year, but they it, it was a an orange yeah, crunchy. No, 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 it was, or no, I, I still have it because I use it right now to keep all of my neckties <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> um, in our closet. But it's a black drawstring bag and it has what I now know as the what is it? The medical mechanica. The iron. Medical Mechanica, yeah, the iron building um, on the front. 
which I just thought was a regular steam iron. And then it says Furikuri, and it's actually a promotional item that I think was given out by Adult Swim. For the second season yeah. of Furikuri, which we are not going to talk about. I, I refuse to watch it. I'm glad I didn't watch it because I think I'll just get out of the way. Furikuri, the second season, which is Furikuri Progressive, got a 6.39 on Mal. Um, and then after that was Furikuri Alternative, which got a 6.55 on Mal. Both of those aired in 2018. Um, people were excited, I think, like hesitantly excited about more Furikuri, but it was ultimately a disappointment from what I heard. So I never watched it. I don't think you'll ever plan on watching it. We'll see. Oh, well, if you watch it, let me know. <laughs> I'll save that for my final thoughts. But yeah, I I think I, I'm i good there. Footy Cootie, the original, is enough Footy Cootie for me. But yeah, I love is it. Is it like, like some shows are just best left untouched? I know. This happens, you know, it, it happens from time to time where someone tries to bring back the hype train um, and it just doesn't work out. Boruto. Yashahime, which Yashahime isn't like terrible, but we didn't need Yashahime. Um, these Furikuri sequels, those are just a couple that immediately come to mind. So yeah, but really quick before we get into all of that, um, Spotify ratings. Thank you everyone who has been rating us on Spotify. We just cracked 40 ratings on the Spotify app, so we seriously appreciate that. As always, if you are listening to the podcast on Spotify, and you feel compelled to leave a rating, you can do so on the app versions only on the main page for Strictly Anime. I think at the top, just below our podcast description, you'll see a little star. You just tap that. You give us a rating and hit submit. It's super easy. And as always, the only you know minimum criteria is listening to 30 seconds of a podcast. So you've already met that if you've gotten this far into the episode. So yes, as always, that really helps us out. And just to share again, we do have our Strictly Series Discord server that was recently launched. We're a couple weeks in now, right? Two weeks in? Yeah, two weeks in. And uh, I think it's it's going strong. You know, it's it's slowly grow- growing. We get a couple people each week that join, and there's pretty much active discussion every single day. Um, not on every single channel, but on the, the big ones like our anime channel, the Not Safe From Work channel. <laughs> yeah, a lot um, of activity there. <laughs> our Attack on Titan chat channel um so yeah if you're interested in joining the conversation you know after each episode um or want to meet other people besides us who enjoy anime and listen to the podcast then join our discord server the link is in the description all right footy cootie let's get back to it do you want to start off with the synopsis do you have some opening thoughts let's just go to the synopsis and then we can save our (laughs) discussion for after that (laughs) i think just because of the nature of this show, it, it was kind of hard to <laughs> summarize uh, each of the six episodes, which is crazy because it's only six episodes. So I think the format that we're going to go for with this is similar to what we did with Uramichi Onisan. I'm just going to give a brief summary of the show in the beginning, and then we'll just give our overall potpourri of thoughts afterwards. That's kind of how we approach movies too, because it's hard to break up a movie. Yeah. And so we'll just do one big synopsis and then just talk through the entire movie. Um, but yeah, we are breaking away from our, our usual episodic review and we're just doing a holistic review. So to start us off, Furikuri is an OVA anime series created and directed by Kazuya Surumaki, written by Yoji and Okido, and produced by the Furikuri Production Committee, which consisted of Gainax, Production IG, and King Records. Furikuri follows Nauta Nandaba, a 12-year-old boy whose quiet suburban life is turned upside down by the arrival of the mysterious Haruko Haruhara. 
whose lustful search for an all-powerful space being named Adamsk, Adamsk <laughs> brings all forms of catastrophic calamity to the quiet town of Mabase and places them at the mercy of a giant iron whose controlling entity, Medical Mechanica, has a dormant intent on steamrolling and smoothing out everyone's brains. Honestly, I don't even know if this summary even adequately explains what the fuck happens in this show. But there you go. <laughs> there's some mechs. There's some guitars. There's some Vespas. There's, there's some, some sexual tension. There's a lot of sexual tension. <laughs> um, but let's let's take things back to the the nostalgia factor of of Footy Cootie. Like we love to do our reviews on quote unquote classic anime, and this is definitely a cult classic. The nostalgia was real for me back uh, watching this because I watched it when it first aired back in 2000. He's 2000? Yeah, it's honestly, I, okay, there's some things that re-watching this, I'm surprised hold up so well given this is a 2000 anime because we've watched other things from around that time period and they age, not poorly, but they do age. And I feel like Footy Cootie holds up very well it's still just as fucking confusing this is probably my eighth or ninth time watching it because i watched it when it would rerun on adult swim um this is one of my um you know one of the the guys i grew up with this is one of his favorite animes so like he always loved rewatching it so i've seen it multiple times but yeah the confusion is still there no matter how many times i watch it but i do think it holds up even now in 2022 Who's ready for the hot take? Uh-oh. <laughs> so unlike Courtney, I watched this without a factor of nostalgia because I this is the first time that I'm watching this show. And, you know, I was open-minded to it. I know Courtney would always tell me, oh, it's confusing as fuck, so don't worry if you don't understand what's going on. But as we watched these six episodes, I just I found myself I couldn't get into it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to quote Aaron from The Office. I feel like I've used this quote before with another anime, but I don't get it. I'm sorry. I just, I don't get it. <laughs> and I thought trying to piece together last week's episode of Attack on Titan, which was episode 79, Memories of the Future. You can check out our episode review of that. I think right before this one that's listed. Um, I thought putting together what happened in that episode would destroy my brain. But I think Furikuri proved me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I think we're, um, we must really love torturing ourselves, trying to explain episode 79 of Attack on Titan and then mm -hmm. immediately going into Furikuri. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we're, we're applying the pressure on ourselves. That's for sure. But like I, I warned you, again, you're going to be confused. I, I intentionally didn't want to say anything about what I think the overall themes are or the, what the story is about because I wanted to see what you got from it. But I wonder if you're confused by Footy Cootie, and I know you haven't seen this, but if you were to watch Evangelion, I wonder if you would like it because Evangelion, I think, didn't leave me quite as confused as Footy Cootie, but it's still like very fucking confusing. And so I have a follow-up question for you there. And I feel like I don't particularly, I didn't particularly enjoy Furikuri because it was so abstract. I mean, there's still a story to follow within it with uh, Nauta or Takun or whatever you want to call that little shit. <laughs> um, but I think I was getting the same vibes as I was with Sunny Boy, which was one of the anime that premiered last year. Uh, 
I think you you watched it all the way through, but I think after episode three, I was like, I I can't I can't process this right now. <laughs> so I guess my question is, do you think Furikuri or Evangelion are the more, or which of the two are more abstract? Uh, if you didn't like Furikuri, like, did you enjoy any aspect of Furikuri? I I will I'll say it like the animation was pretty good for the time period that it came out. Did you enjoy the comedy and like just the over the topness of Woody Cody? Yeah, like the self-aware humor was pretty good. Okay. Cuz like Evangelion is confusing on the same level as Woody Cody but just like in a different way. There's more like there's a slightly more coherent story but not really. Like I mean slightly more <laughs> coherent story. Mm-hmm. Like there there is more of kind of like this this thing you can follow less so than or more so than um footy Kuddy, but it's just like straight up depression <laughs> okay it's like watching depression <laughs> so if you didn't enjoy the happiness of and the go luckiness of footy Kuddy, i don't know if straight up depression confusion would be more entertaining for you <laughs> well you you've said that in order to become a true anime a graduate of anime like <laughs> you would have to watch Neon Genesis Evangelion, right? So I think I- <laughs> everyone should watch it once just to mm-hmm. understand the hype around it. And like I, I've watched Evangelion and I'm going to watch the end of Evangelion. I probably wouldn't be compelled to watch all of the other Evangelion things that are out there. Um, I know the, the newest or the last movie premiered um, in 2021. But yeah, I, I think that it's something that everyone should watch at least once just to understand this anime um and why it has such an impact on the anime community flcl has less of an impact again it's a cult classic like it's just got its Mm -hmm. strong following um i think it just i think it's just fun and weird but not in an elitist way like i know what you're talking about with with sunny boy like there's there's certainly a sense of elitism that comes with something super abstract and comes with liking something super abstract um however i i personally thought that sunny boy was elitist anime but i would not say the same about footy Kuri because you can understand mm-hmm. none of it but still enjoy just the this the ridiculousness that's happening on screen i tried to enjoy sunny boy like at that same level just like that ground level despite not knowing what the fuck was going on and i couldn't like i couldn't get invested in, in, in any of the characters i didn't enjoy what i was watching with my eyeballs um but with footy Kuri, it's like yeah, I don't know what's happening, but I like Takun. I don't know what's happening, but like I find some of the characters really funny and interesting to watch. Like Haruko is crazy, but she's fun to watch at the end of the day. That's like boiling like anime viewing down to its basic level. <laughs> like if you were like <laughs> Just a five-year-old. A visual delight. Like, oh, yeah, fireworks. Like watching anime like a five-year-old. Like this looks pretty. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. Um but yeah, I don't know. Like when I watched Sunny Boy, not only was I confused, I was just not entertained, and that's a bad combo. But with with Footy Cody and with Evangelion, at the very least, it is still entertaining, even if you don't know what to think of it after you're done watching it. Evangelion. Yeah, I liked Evangelion. Oh, okay. I, yeah, th- yeah. I thought you were f- referring to Footy Cody. <laughs> no, no, both Footy Cody mm-hmm. and Evangelion again are are the very like basics, at least entertaining to watch. For very mm-hmm. opposite reasons. They're very opposite shows. No, that makes sense. And I can kind of see that with Furikuri. I think it's comparable to when we watched Promare, where it was less 
it, it was less of the story and more of like I said the visual delight of it yeah as I said earlier like even though I wasn't so hot on the the plot of Furikuri just because it just I, you're I like lost, what plot <laughs> <laughs> like I lost brain cells trying to figure it out but I, I will say again that the the animation was the one thing that um, was intriguing about the show it's I feel I call it like art house anime um, or I guess the best way I could kind of describe it is like Guren Lagan on acid yeah well <laughs> that's the guy next uh, studio trigger look and feel to yeah. the, the animation and the action sequences but last thing I'll say about like the elitist feel like don't get me wrong I don't I would never consider myself an elitist anime fan um, I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you or anyone else that Footy Cody is some like masterpiece and claim that I understand the deeper meanings of the show. Like I barely understand its surface level, but I, I will never understand the show nor pretend that I do even with my eighth, ninth, 10th watch, but I like it despite it being confusing. And that's enough for me because I think trying to want anything more from the show is what's going to turn me off from it. Like it's just, it's nostalgic. It was fun to watch then. It's fun to watch now. I don't watch it that often, so that's that's enough for me. But going back to the animation, um, I love Seizure it. Seizure-inducing. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> Certain is. Certain <laughs> parts, I think there were like flashing colors, and I was thinking to myself, how how would Adult Swim let this fly without like, <laughs> I know, triggering any complaints about it? They probably bright... edit that out now if they yeah. were to rerun it. Because, yeah, I think it would be seizure-inducing for someone who possibly has like epilepsy, which is mm-hmm. why they got rid of the, the Porygon episode, or they didn't air it in the U.S., for Pokemon because yeah. it was um, it was actually inducing seizures for epileptic epileptic children. And, and I think if you notice now in a lot of modern anime, sometimes they'll tone down the brightness for like scenes that feature a lot of flashing. Or, like My Hero does that. Yeah, like their OPs, there are certain sections of them that you'll notice a sudden change in brightness because there's so many explosions and flashing things. <laughs> that makes it sounds like there's titties, but like you you know what I mean. Uh, but yeah, this one it was just kind of all in your face. But I like it. Like okay, the animation is so wild, unique, <laughs> and like even drops totally different animation styles in the middle of episodes. You got mm-hmm. the manga panels. You had the South Park reference. Um, I enjoyed that. Yeah, that like was good. Th- there's really cool aspects to it and again like even if you walk away from it having no clue what it's about at least you're visually entertained like it is the true gynex i think I don't, was this before they branched off and made studio trigger uh probably i don't know if studio trigger was in existence uh, studio trigger yeah it was founded in 2011 okay and that was like a branch off or like people from gynex went and made studio trigger right? yeah former Gainax. I think it's pronounced Gainax. But I think, okay, I've said Gainax and I've heard other people call it Gainax because if you okay. pronounce it the Japanese way, wouldn't it be Gain, Gainax? Okay. I've, I I looked up Google's pronunciation and it said Gainax. So maybe, you know, it's like Furikuri FLCL. Yeah, there you go. Deal. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think the animation is just great. And watching it now versus back in 2000, I I don't know. There's like this feeling of like care. I don't know. There's a lot of care that went into the animation for Footy Cody that I'm not appreciating until now because I think when I think like classic anime, rough animation at times, like Cowboy Bebop has amazing animation, but there are some episodes where it's like a little bit rough. 
Um, you can tell like those were not episodes that had as much budget and resources dedicated to it. Granted, Footy Cody only has six episodes, but I, I just feel like the animation looks so good for the time that it came out. Like there's some interesting things that they they did in that show, like rotating characters 360 and just keeping it fluid and nice. And um, like all the action sequences, they're, they're very much like Gynex Studio Trigger type of action sequences, but they look clean. Like I feel like if I were to pause it at, at any moment, that frame would still look really good and could stand on its own. Uh, again, it's it wouldn't compare to some of the shit that you see now with like Mappa pulling out crazy shit. But I think for what it was, the animation had a lot of um, a lot of attention given to it. You know what the animation reminded me of like Eagle Raptor, back when he was still making all those YouTube videos. That's a really good comparison. And I think <laughs> you you mentioned it like it's the fluidity of it. Because you mentioned like Cowboy Bebop, it does look great, but you know, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't have that fluidity in the character's movements. Whereas here, you mentioned the, the, that sort of 360, I think the first episode, you have like a 360 shot of the, the three characters, Naota, yeah, I think Haruko, it's, and Mamimi. Yeah, when Haruko is like, about to give CPR to Taku and they do like yeah. a 360 around Mamimi. Yeah, and I would say like, uh, under today's circumstances that kind of shot would probably be done in cgi but i want to say like this was all like done 2d and it, it looks great like there's no frame of that that seems like it it was roughly cut together maybe they were like no one's gonna fucking understand the show so we have to make sure it at least looks good <laughs> mm-hmm. and maybe that's why they limited it to just six episodes because of the the amount of detail that they would have to put in each shot uh, like the animation it it can feel angsty at times almost as angsty as Nauta but <laughs> like you said it, it, it there's a liquidity and a fluidity to it that you have to appreciate again because this was early 2000s animation and I think they were probably or Gainax Trigger not Trigger Gainax I, Production IG were probably setting the standard high with this and I was reading that um some of the staff of avatar the last airbender like they were ordered to buy copies of furikuri and to watch every single episode of it because i think that show wanted to emulate the same kind of animation style and i I think what the hell really (laughs) yeah i think it's pretty apparent in the way i've seen a couple episodes of avatar and I think the clear influence is in facial expressions because a lot of the facial expressions that Naota or Haruko make are similar to things that I've seen Aang or uh, Sokka and Katara make on the show. I would not know. I'll take your word for it because I never watched uh, Avatar. But It's the greatest anime out there. <laughs> the greatest anime to never... Oh, no. The greatest anime to ever not come out of Japan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, that's cool, though. I like that, that they took inspiration from Furikuri. That's very unexpected. I also think that the character designs are great. Like, everything about Furikuri is just cool. Like, even down to the music. I mean, they brought in the pillows to do, like, pretty much all of the music. You have a story about the pillows. I, I do. It, we might have told this before on the podcast, but... I, I do have. So I was going to transition at some point to talking about, like, more of the nostalgia factor of Furikuri and how it kind of took the anime community by storm around that time. I guess I'll, I'll transition to that now. So um, 
again, like the nostalgia is real for me because I, I grew up watching Footy Cootie, but also it was right around the time that I started cosplaying that people really started to get into um, cosplaying from Footy Cootie. And I started cosplaying about 20 years ago, not to like date myself, but whenever you'd go to an anime convention, when this show was like hot, 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 everybody would fucking cosplay as Haruko or Kanti. You'd get like those dedicated cosplayers who would take like a small tube TV and then gut it and turn it into a helmet. And most of them couldn't see very well. So they'd have their friends like holding their hands, guiding them, but they were so dedicated. They were in full Kanti cosplay with the fucking TV on their heads. Like it was really it's cool. It's gotta be heavy too. I mean, you gut well, it. Yeah, when you gut it, probably less heavy. It's but... just like the plastic or whatever of the actual... it's gotta be uncomfortable to wear yeah. that it's like a helmet or like a mask is still at least somewhat the shape of a head but, but you're talking about a fucking tv yeah and it's i'm assuming it sits on your shoulders so that that's probably not comfortable either and i've seen some of the the conti cosplayers not like i don't know if they were on stilts or what but conti needs to be much taller than the people around um it so some people were on either like platforms or stilts covered by, you know, like the, the cosplay material on their feet. So they were really dedicated. But yeah, you'd see a lot of Kanti or Haruko cosplayers. Um, it's, it was always Haruko's outfit when she was on the Vespa with the helmet and the red guitar. And yeah, it was just so much fun to see that. It was kind of like around the same time that Trigun was, was really big. So people would cosplay as Vash Stampede and carry a box of donuts around. And then you know, the thing was you ask the, the fucking vash cosplayer to to share a donut with you so it's like the the fun early days of cosplaying um that i attribute to like the time that footy cootie was really big but anyway one of the um anime central anime centrals um that we went to when i was much younger probably like my second or third year cosplaying my parents were chaperoning us because we were um really young at the time and we had ordered some pizza my dad and my friend went down to the lobby to get the pizza and bring it back up to the room. And he got back and he said, um, is there some like big band here or whatever? Because there was a crowd of people freaking out. And they kept saying like, oh, it's like the blankets or something. And I just stopped and I'm like, <laughs> you saw the pillows? Because I knew, I like kind of knew that the pillows were there, but I wasn't sure. And I was like, was it the pillows? You saw the pillows? I was extremely jealous of my dad for seeing the pillows in person as they were like making their way through the, the convention. And he had no, obviously he had no fucking idea who they were. And he just, he couldn't remember the name. So he just thought like the blankets. Cause I guess that's the closest thing you can think of when you hear the pillows. So were they like performing like a concert there? I think so. Um, I really don't remember. My guess is, yeah, they probably were performing a couple of their songs at least, but damn, I was like, you got to see the pillows and I didn't. And I'm the one who loves footy Cootie. <laughs> Also, that's probably my second favorite thing of this show is the soundtrack. Um, again, I think it's that like angsty rock. But uh, I've noticed that for many of the episodes, the the soundtrack like you hear it constantly throughout the episode. Like there's rarely ever a break in it. Um, yeah, it's almost like like a one long music video for the pillows. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to look at it. And and the I don't think there's really an op. They just flash the title card, um, and maybe it's different because we haven't mentioned this yet. We broke our cardinal rule about watching anime subbed because this one we actually watched 
dubbed. Well, that's part of our rule. So, yeah, we did watch it dubbed um, because I grew up watching it dubbed. And our, our general rule is that if one of us first watched an anime dubbed, then we rewatch it dubbed. Um, so we watched Bebop dubbed and Samurai Champloo and, and Trigun. Um, we watched Gurren Lagann sub, though, because that was a really good sub. Yeah. But otherwise, we watch it subbed. Even if it was like a throwback anime, we'll watch it subbed because if we're not tied to the dub, um, you know, like through nostalgia or if the dub sucks, like the Oran High School Host Club dub is really bad because I used mm. to listen to my or I would listen to it in the background when my sister was watching it. Yeah, if, if it's not one of those, then we'll at least try to watch it dubbed if there's some connection there. Um, so, yeah, we watched the dub of this, so I'm not sure if the sub version has a proper OP. For the dub, it was just different title cards and different designs. But the ED, right on Shooting Star by the Pillows, I, I, I rock to it now. Like, I know you, you added it to our anime Spotify playlist months ago, and I wasn't vibing with it so much but after watching the show uh, it it's grown on me and i don't know maybe <laughs> maybe the 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 music also plays into your nostalgia because this show probably like i think it came out at a formative time in every anime fan's life that that time of adolescence and, and such <laughs> and you know rock music is always the thing that adolescents turn to because i think it, it fully expresses kind of the emotions that that they go through at that time and, and especially with Naota um and this whole show kind of being like a metaphorical allegory of his transition from prepubescent life into adulthood I guess um so I, yeah I, I do appreciate the, the rock soundtrack uh in the show yeah um going back to the OP I actually don't know if there's an OP because I only watched this on Adult Swim, which, by the way, to, to uh, correct myself a little bit, I think it aired on Adult Swim for the first time in 2003. So I didn't watch it like in 2000 when it aired, but 2003, a couple years later when it was on Adult Swim. But yeah, they never played OPs. They only played EDs. So like I went into this rewatch thinking, oh, we'll get to or I'll get to see the OP for the first time. And then there wasn't one. So honestly, I can't tell you if there's supposed to be an OP or not, because, um, yeah, I just never got to see it on Adult Swim. But the ED is a fucking classic, like from the song to the stop motion of the Vespa to the animation and seeing like those audio waves on the right hand side as you hear the guitar riff. It just fucking slaps. And let me say that when this show came out on Adult Swim, everyone wanted a Vespa and not just any Vespa. Oh, that was a, my... a yellow Vespa. Everyone <laughs> fucking wanted a Vespa. Holy shit. That was my... Uh... That was going to be my other question. When people were cosplaying for the show back then, did any of them have the yellow Vespa with them? I'm sure some people did. I never saw a Haruko cosplayer with the yellow Vespa. That would have been fucking cool. But yeah, everyone wanted a fucking Vespa. <laughs> I'd like oh, to see if if there is a, like a, a report on the sales of Vespas around the time when Furikuri was released, both like in Japan and, and in the States, if sales had skyrocketed <laughs> that'd be fun although do we ever really see anyone with vespas even being in chicago like i've i think once or maybe twice yeah. my entire life have ever seen someone driving around on a vespa in chicago or anywhere i don't think chicago's a very friendly scooter city although it's bike friendly but yeah i rarely ever see scooters 
Well, I guess everyone who wanted their yellow Vespa here in the States never got them. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, in Chicago, you probably could only drive it like two or three months out of the year just because of the, the weather here. That's true. And it would probably so it, get yeah, stolen. It's probably, <laughs> probably be easier to ride like on the West Coast or on the East Coast in like the tropical locations. So I have to ask. Because I, again, intentionally didn't tell you my take, my interpretation of Furikuri because I wanted to see what you got from it. What would you say, if you had to boil it down to just like a sentence or two, what would you say is like the core theme or story of FLCL? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I think I, I, I mentioned this earlier in regards to the soundtrack. I think the whole show is just kind of like a metaphor for what Nauta's going through. Again, he's a 12-year-old boy who's living a pretty mundane life in the countryside or I guess like a Japanese suburbia. And he's starting to enter like adolescence. And that's when all of these crazy things start happening. And now I'm starting to wonder if these things actually happened in real life or if this was just a figment of his imagination. But I, that was the conclusion I reached by the end of the show. Okay. That's pretty much what I think too. I, I feel like it's a coming of age story um, because you get like themes of like sexuality um, erections <laughs> erections <laughs> with everything coming out of his head yeah well that's a big thing of it too i think that's like the most telling part is that anytime nauta is possibly aroused that's when a fucking mecca comes out of his head which comes out looking flesh colored first like a giant erection out of his forehead mm. um like when mamimi is all over him i think that was one of the first times it activated um or when he believes he's hearing Haruko and his dad like doing something naughty in the room in the middle of the night that was strange like first i thought Haruko was Naoto's age for some reason so no, i was I think like she's like isn't she like 20 no or yeah i think i read somewhere that she's much older and so i guess that makes it appropriate but when i first watched it I was like why is this happening on a kid's show <laughs> not that this is a kid's show but but yeah, like I think he didn't have like a full on mecha activate at that point, but like he his head like hurt. There was some like yeah, yeah like red head, light. His head hurt. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> or when um when Haruko hits the eyebrow guy in the face with a guitar at like one of the last episodes, um when he's like saying like why why don't you want to be with me? What's Takun got that I don't? And she hits him in the head with with the guitar to spring like a I don't know a mecha or guitar out of there. And she's like, that it's so small. This is like the best that you can produce. And she like takes this tiny oh. little flesh colored thing that kind of looks like a dick out of his head, basically saying that he's got a small dick and he can't get it up. <laughs> but then there's also themes of like jealousy um, and like, you know, like inappropriate romances, I guess, with uh, who's the girl from his school? What the fuck is her name? Are you talking about Inamori from the third episode? Oh, no, I was talking about a later episode. The Nina Mori episode where yeah. her parents are um, in the... Her dad is in that scandal with the secretary. Yeah, that's the that's the third episode. Oh, I thought it was like a, like the fifth episode. Okay, I, I'm wrong. Which but, uh, episode's actually probably my favorite out of the series. And that one is like about, you know, affairs and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's the part... Okay, maybe this is in the later episode where 
uh, Naota has the the gun coming out of his head, and every time he acts like cocky, the gun cocks. Funny enough, oh. but then the the gun fires when he basically like indirectly confesses to Mimimi, and then she rejects him, and then realizes he realizes that she actually still only has feelings for his older brother, and that she's essentially been using him as kind of like a way to fill that void because his brother moved to the states. So the gun fires when his cockiness kind of backfires on him, and then the mech comes out. That makes so much sense now, because I always wondered why are they interspersing this with the revolver cocking back? Yeah, it's like any time that he's essentially acting cocky or overconfident, which is a trait of someone in their adolescence kind of growing up. I mean, Naoto constantly comments about all the older people saying, like, you're adults, why don't you act like adults? Like, he's trying to be mature when he's really not he prefers um sweet drinks so every time he drinks something bitter he's like it's too bitter i want it to be sweet but that's just him being like it's supposed to be like him as a kid versus like an adult who may like black coffee that he drinks at one point or i don't know whatever the fuck he drank earlier in the uh in the series but anyway like these little nuances that kind of play into the fact that he's trying to be more mature than he actually is when he's probably the youngest character in the show right besides nina mori and the friends yeah and i think i noticed that with a fourth episode full swing i think that kind of highlights the way that nauta feels like having to live in his brother's shadow right because like you said his brother goes off to the States to become a, a baseball player. But whenever I think Nauta is at bat, he refuses to swing because he fears not being able to live up to everyone's expectations of him. Yeah, and in that episode too, there's the metaphors that come with swinging the bat when he's talking to Haruko in their bedroom and like going through with it. And I think there's like a part where some people get nosebleeds. Um, I don't know. Like there's just all that that imagery around sex basically and they're in the first or second episode where they, they first drop the manga panels um they have that conversation about what furikuri is you remember that with like yes. the dad the grandpa haruko and naota they're like what is furikuri and then the dad starts to explain it but makes no sense but essentially it's they're trying to say it's like a sexual innuendo i think okay <laughs> i'll just just went over my head i was like maybe it's just Hakuna Matata. <laughs> I could be but. wrong. That's what I took away from it is that they're basically saying like footy Kuri is a concept rooted in like adult themes. Um, and that's why I feel like the main theme of the show is like Naoto's adolescence and him going through puberty and like discovering love and intimacy in girls and peepees <laughs> and all that stuff his erections that he gets out of his forehead okay i, I can kind do of you think see differently <laughs> no or? no oh, okay I'm if you saying, do tell me because i'm curious no i I'm, t I'm telling you everything this whole show like went over my head so <laughs> i'm glad that you're pointing these things out um because i've been able to just get bits and pieces but it's it's a, it's a pretty overwhelming show i again i thought Attack on Titan episode 79 was overwhelming. I thought Code Geass was overwhelming. Those don't hold a candle to whatever happens in Furi <laughs> Um, Well, I guess the other theme of the show is more more in line with like Gynex and, and what they do, which is like mechs and space and like, I don't know, this big corporation. Because you've got, what is it? 
Medical Mechanica. Medical Mechanica kidnaps Adamus, who's like this strong being in the universe that Haruko ultimately wants to get back because she... Well, the eyebrow guy says that she's in love with him, but she also like wants his power. Um, so that's why she's on Earth trying to spring mechs out of Na- Naoto's face. I'm like very hesitant mm. as I explain this because I'm trying to think <laughs> through it. Um, and Medical Mechanica kidnapped Adamus um, in order to, I don't know, use his power or something to drive the the iron to flatten out the Earth and smooth out everyone's brains. Probably like brainwashing, I'm guessing. Um, using Adamus's power. Again, I could be totally fucking incorrect. This is just what I'm getting from the show when I watch it. Wikipedia says every time Nauta is absorbed by Kanti, which is the robot, Adamus is gradually brought to Earth and then is held in Medical Mechanica's custody. And that's why Haruko constantly wants to go to that iron building to, to rescue him. Oh, uh, okay. That makes sense. Um... I guess with the ending, what did you think about the ending? Because the ending is pretty much um, Haruko and Naota go to rescue Adamus. And then Naota sort of baits her by making her think that he turned on her to stop her because he takes on Adamus. Is it Adamus? Am I saying it right? It's spelled A-T-O-M-S-K, but I've heard Haruko pronounce it as Adamisk. Okay, I'll just say Adamisk. Um, he like uses Adamisk's power and then she gets pissed off. But then at the end, he like doesn't go against her and instead confesses his love for her and then kisses her, even though that's illegal. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Although I guess she didn't kiss him, he kissed her, but that's illegal. <laughs> Why is that illegal? Because he's 12 and she's over the age of 18. Oh. And I don't yeah. think it was a family if the type age of is kiss. on the clock. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a family kind of kiss. He confesses love for her, so that was definitely a romantic kiss. Um, so, like, what are your thoughts on all of that? Like, how did you, how did you absorb or you know take in that ending? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I, I I guess the best way I can sum it up is this is where Naoto or Naota becomes a man. Like, because <laughs> he confessed and wasn't rejected this time. Yeah, like I think it was the culmination of his emotions. Like a, a lot of this, I just got Gurren Lagan vibes with the ending. Um, Gurren Lagan came from Studio Trigger, so there you go. Yeah, like with Naota getting absorbed by the Kanti or getting into the Terminal Core, or whatever, becoming one with Adamisk. I feel like that's where he kind of reached a Nirvana. And then, like, he summed up hit the courage to confess to Haruko. And then a bunch of random shit happened after that. I think all of the ending was just a big metaphor for Naoto's balls dropping and officially going, mm-hmm. like, finishing his journey through puberty. <laughs> no, but for real, I think, um, I think the ending was just interesting. I almost wanted him to turn against Haruko, because she clearly didn't give a shit about the planet and she was just using yeah, him. Yeah, she was using people in this whole show, wasn't and she? And she like was straight up about it. She's like, I don't give a shit. I just want Adamisk back. And I get that, but also like that makes her kind of the antagonist in a way, doesn't it? So what what would you say like why is she in hot pursuit of Adamisk? Is it just cuz of like 
she lusts after him or do you think there's some kind of meaning there well again the eyebrow guy says that um she's in love with him but she never comes out and says that she says that she wants his power at mm. least in the dub she does so that's what i mean to me that that makes more sense that she would want his power because he seems to be really fucking strong um so either she lusts after him after his power or both is my thought why what do you think I don't know. I'm thinking, oh, is this some kind of metaphor for trying to be mature, <laughs> but never be like just goofing off like she does all the time? I don't know. Well, okay. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to like think through it and I, I don't know what the metaphor would be for that. I feel like that, that to me seems like it's just a bare bones. This character wants ultimate power. Mm. And so that's her driving force behind everything that she's doing. And it just so happens that Nauta is the best, the most compatible person with her abilities um, that can produce the best mechs and the best boners. So, <laughs> and the so best she guitars. Goes for like the nubile characters <laughs> who have no idea of what the world is like. Yeah, I don't know. Well, speaking of mechs, it's interesting that I think one of the only other people besides the eyebrow guy and Nauta that do have shit coming out of their face is um, Nina Mori mm-hmm. in that one episode, like her her dedicated episode. I'm, I like wonder why that is. And I think it's maybe because she's trying too hard to be mature, kind of like how Nauta does throughout this entire show. Like in that episode, people are kind of egging her on about the affair that her father's having and she just kind of, kind of dismisses it every single time it's brought up like oh it's fine i don't care whatever and so she's kind of in denial about her true feelings and is trying too hard to act mature so then she gets hit with a boner and uh <laughs> well, it doesn't like the curry that it eats didn't she and Nauta come into contact at some point i don't know if that's a factor in why she was able to sprout a robot yeah i think that's how it activated i think i don't think haruko made it activate right it was the two of them, Nauta and Nina Mori, coming into contact. Yeah, because there was like Haruko had almost crashed into one of them, if I remember. Mm, I don't. Yeah. I don't oh yeah, know. by the staircase. Yeah, that's the scene I'm. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. So she did hit Haruko. Did hit her, and then she was like, "Oh, my stomach really fucking hurts out of nowhere." So she already had like whatever Haruko implants. She like had it in her face. Oh, and so it, it activated and, when okay. her and Nauta were fighting about the stupid play. And then the cat ears popped onto her head from Nauta's head. And then the mech came out. If you've never watched Footy Cody and you're listening to us describe this, you're probably like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, though. Like, with her, I took it like it. this was an example of like Nina Mori wanting to please her parents or her guardians or keeps some semblance of normalcy in her life. Uh, but I can see like it's her trying to cope with t- dealing with her family's personal problems, but not letting that um, come to or, like not showing her emotions on her sleeve by having that covered up with her wanting to do the play. Yeah. Um, and while we're talking about different characters, I want to ask, what are your thoughts on Mamimi? bitch is crazy Jesus. <laughs> i think she I, might i don't know if she's homeless but i feel like she's run away from home because her parents are divorced or they're separated anyway and so she like doesn't want to go to school doesn't want to go go home and she's just overly infatuated i think she had previously 
dated now with his brother, right? I don't know if they dated, but I know that she had a big crush on him oh, because, because he saved her. Yeah, from the burning house. Yeah. I find Mamimi to be... Or not the burning house, the, the school. I, I yeah. find Mamimi to be a problematic character. I think she's not a good person for Naoto to have around. She doesn't offer anything good for him. Um, she obviously uses him and toys with his emotions and strings him along to, again, fill that void um, ever since Naoto's brother left. And, yeah, I mean, he gets straight up rejected when he finds out that that's, that's the reality of her feelings towards him when he, like, indirectly confesses during the gun episode. Yeah, I think she was just so fixated on Naoto, like, indirectly, because she would always refer to him as Takun. And, again, trying to think of things metaphorically uh, with the episode... I think this episode two is where I kind of focused on her story um, and the, the video game that she would play that eventually, or Firestarter, right? It was a game about burning things yeah. to, to please the Lord of Black Flames. And I think that's where the name of the robot, Conti, came from. Was like, oh, that was the name of the, the, the god of Black Flames in that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I took it as like, no, Mimi just always desperately seeking attention and validation although she was trying to get that from the wrong place in like again viewing Nauta as a a sort of proxy for Takun but I'm glad like she kind of just broke out of it at the end with she tossed her cell phone away right and then that's where the the, the terminal core came in and and ate it up and then started growing and then, like, she basically caused everything that happened in the climax, and she runs off to become a photographer or something. Yeah, I think she did all that out of revenge because she gets jealous of Haruko um, giving Naoto right. attention. And so then she – and she's also annoyed that the one guy splashed her with his Vespa. Um, so she kind of just goes on, like, a revenge trip and, like, goes after everyone who's annoyed her or wronged her, although we get no details about that, but just allows um, Takun the – the robot dog to eat these various vehicles of people who have wronged her, probably trying to find uh, Haruko's Vespa and do the same thing there. That, that was my, my thought. Um, but then through that, she caused all that trouble. And I think, I think Nalta at the end of the story realizes the type of person that Mamimi Mami is because when he's telling us of like her, like her whereabouts or what happened to her after the climax of the anime, he basically just says she went away. I never saw her again. She became a photographer. There was no emotional connection there. Mm. So good for him. Well, what did you think about the South Park reference that came up? I, just... I know you, you watched <laughs> South Park. <laughs> I thought it was random. I think that episode, what was it, like episode five? It was the eyebrow guy episode. Yeah, there were like so many or like a lot of references in that, including I think they referenced Lupin the Third with uh Naruto's, Naruto's dad's outfit yeah um the, the south park reference was just random i don't know why it was included i don't know if it's just because the 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 staff on the show just really loved south park um but yeah that was that was a treat to to watch <laughs> your face is kind of like what the fuck yeah i was like waiting for it i was like okay the south park reference is coming up and then i looked over at you and you were like <laughs> you're just like like sitting there <laughs> stop you like stop typing and you're just like watching it like what the fuck <laughs> okay it, it makes no sense but i 
I, I guess I, I kind of liked the meta and like self-aware humor of the show. That's one of the spots where it happened. Um, I have like two more questions, maybe one more. I can't remember. Um, of all of the characters, who was your favorite character? Damn. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I wouldn't know. There was nobody that you felt like no one you enjoyed that, yeah. watching? No, not real. Like, I didn't really connect with any of the characters. I guess the one that I found the most interesting, again, was Nina Mori from episode three with the whole play thing, just because I felt, I felt sympathy for her story because she's, again, trying to keep some semblance of normalcy in her life. Uh, and then I guess at the end, like, it, it kind of works out for her because her parents do see her in the play. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't say I really connected with any of these characters. Not connected wise, but just like, who did you enjoy watching the most? Was there anyone in particular? Or was Nina Mori the one character you enjoyed watching? Yeah, like I said, episode three was probably my favorite just because of her storyline. Um, I can't say like, there were any characters that I really liked. Well, now to kind of bratty, but I get, I, I get why, because he's at this formative formative stage in her his life haruko i kind of just found annoying mamimi like i said was a creepy ass bitch <laughs> um maybe conti like he was just a robot who's putting uh, keeping everyone's shit together and and fighting and i i guess i kind of like his character design so yeah maybe conti <laughs> <laughs> that's fair i had to say my favorite character is conti and then naota i just like naota like the kid's just trying his hardest to grow up despite everyone who's supposed to be grown up not being very mature that's around him. Um, but Conti's fun because Conti's just like the, the endearing, like, non-human character in the show. Yeah, one thing I'll, I'll add um, with us mentioning Conti is kind of like the, the color palette of the series because – Naota always, uh, like, in the beginning, he says, like, nothing ever happens here. So he, again, he feels very bored with, with his life in, I think it's Mabase. And I noticed, like, a lot of the, co- like, there's a lot of muted colors with the show. Nothing really ever sticks out until, like, you get this bright red of Kanti whenever Naota gets sucked into his machine or whatever. Yeah. Or even... Like the exotic yellow color of Haruko's Vespa, um, I always I just notice that whenever extraordinary things happen is when the colors start to become a little bit more vibrant on the show, um, but then they kind of just revert back when like Naota and the, even in the climax like Naota, quote unquote, grows up, and then he says again, nothing amazing happens here and everything is ordinary, which I think is the same exact thing he says the beginning of the series yeah um so it's again like <laughs> a very normal colored show um kind of evocative of like moriocho and jojo part four but yeah something else that i kind of noticed along the way i think that that's gynex doing its thing again doing their thing that's the the style that they're they're known for that in the future studio trigger will be known for um and yeah it's I'm drawn to it. I just love everything about the the character designs, the animation, and how everything is so stylized and loud and in your face. But my oh, what? I actually had a 
question for you. What's what do you think of, of the iron building and what that symbolizes? I think it's just like brainwashing. That's what mm. I think it is because they, they're going to smooth out the planet. They're going to smooth out brains. Um, and like it's this big corporation. Med- what is it? Medical Mechanica? Yeah. Um, like a medical company. Like what, what a perfect company to try and brainwash people. Um, so yeah, I, th- I just think that that's all that's about. Like I think they're using the power of Atomisk to complete their goal of brainwashing people. Um, and yeah, I don't know why it chose that town to show up in, but it did. Does that tie in, in a way, with what you think Naoto's going through with his adolescence? No, not not an eight, like not <laughs> not initially. I don't think that there's a direct connection, but like maybe there's a deeper meaning that like I am just not putting two to, two and two together with. Maybe it's because like Naoto always constantly thinks that there's nothing exciting in his life that kind of connects with being smooth-brained. Smooth-brained. And, like, and it's here, like with his adolescence just encouraging uh, a more creative side to him or kind of, I don't know, breaking out of that funk. <laughs> Again, at the end of the episode, he just reverts back to saying nothing ever happens here, but maybe he's still a changed man. That sounds good to me because again I can't think of any any direct connection um, at least at this point between Medical Mechanica and Nauta's story, but so uh, basically like like the the spiral power of Guren Lagan. Well, that has more direct connection with <laughs> with Simone and Kamina, yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's it's a stretch for me to kind of think of something that ties Medical Mechanica and Nauta together. I think Medical Mechanica and Haruko have a more direct connection again because of them capturing Atomisk. But again, she doesn't even care if they smooth out all the planets. She's like, I don't fucking care. I just want Atomisk back. <laughs> I'm just laughing because every time I hear us say medical mechanica, it reminds me of there's this. This is just an aside. This has nothing to do with Furikuri, but there's a Filipino tongue twister. That the English translation is Monaco fixed Monica's broken machine, but <laughs> I'm gonna butcher it. It's Minicanico ni Monico ang makina ni Monica. It's the medical fil- mechanica. Again, <laughs> <laughs> just a stupid aside, um, but that's what I. That's why I was I was smiling to myself and laughing as Courtney was explaining. I know. I was, was like, explaining. "What is so funny?" <laughs> you know, that's that's cool. I'll never attempt that tongue twister, but that that's cool. Um, okay, so my last question for you, because we rarely watch dub unless we have a strong connection to the dub. What did you think about this dub compared to the other ones that you've seen? It was fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think probably what, what are the, the, the dubs we watched? Trigun, Bebop, Champloo. This one's probably lower on my list. For good dubs, uh, I mean, you have Steve Blum. I think he voices uh, one of the the, the classmates of Nauta. Uh, that was kind of cool. And then even what's her face, Melissa Fawn, who does the voice of Ed from Cowboy Bebop. She does another classmate, I think. I think I mean, she's Nina Mori. Oh yeah, she's Nina Mori. I think if she did Haruko, that would have been interesting because I I wasn't really fond of Haruko's. Uh, dub or mamimi's 
especially the way it tycoon. Yeah, and this is something that I kept quoting to you before we watched the show. I just kept saying tycoon, tycoon, which is how she says it in the dub. Like now, do you get my reference? Yeah, she says it so just. And I don't know if that's nonchalantly. Yeah, just like with no effort or emphasis. Like she's a very robotic. Um, she gives a very robotic uh, performance, very flat performance. And again, it could be intentional. Maybe that was what the voice director instructed based on Mimi's character. But I just like cannot get behind that performance. Like it just is not convincing. It's not fun to listen to. Um, I did not enjoy Mimi's voice acting in the dub at all. Yeah, sometimes the emotion didn't match like the the visual delight that was happening on screen, and you could tell by the way certain characters were like emulating their their expressions, like they w- would have been like shouting or something. But it was always like, "Whoa!" Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I completely agree. And like, I want to like Haruko's voice actress in the dub. Um, and I think during the subdued parts or like the evil parts, she does a good job. But yeah, there are times where like Haruko's flying through the fucking air and yeah. like, all these lines are, are everywhere, just like emphasizing the intensity of this moment. And she just cannot push her voice acting to meet the intensity that's happening on screen, which I think and I haven't I've never, ever seen the sub of Furikuri. But from what I've experienced on the Japanese side of voice acting, they always can match that intensity, like always, or at least like 99% of the time. I will say Naota's voice actor or voice actress, was it a female or male? Yeah, fun fact there, Naota was voiced by female uh, voice actress, Barbara Goodson, who I'm reading now, was the English dub voice for Rita Repulsa from Power Rangers. The, oh, really? Yeah, the the villain from... You know, but the '90s version of that's the Power so Rangers. random. What the fuck? <laughs> and here, I I can kind of hear it now. Like thinking back to Naoto's voice, like she, it does sound like Rita Repulsa. <laughs> if Rita Repulsa was a 12 year old boy, I think that her performance as Naoto was the strongest of this entire show. Yeah. Um. That that was the only like performance that was able to match the intensity of what was happening on screen. Every time Nalta freaks out or is being dragged along by Conti or like another mech um, as he's like stuck to them um, or when he's freaking out because like Haruko is doing something really obnoxious, the it's just a, a perfect fit. It just works so well. So that's to me the, my favorite performance in the dub. Um, I, I feel like, they could have cast the main characters of Cowboy Bebop because I think also the voice actress for Faye, she played the the secretary that was having the affair with Nina Mori's dad, right? Let's see. I don't think so, actually. Wendy Lee what the was fuck? the voice of Faye Valentine. It sounded um, so similar. But I'm looking at her, a list of her filmography. And I don't think Furikuri is included on there. What? Okay, hang on. I'm going to... Oh, they don't have the full list here on Mal. Well, it sounded very much like her. Yeah, it did. But I guess it wasn't her. Or maybe it was a pseudonym. I don't know. I'm uh, doing a little bit of further research. The secretary was voiced by Jessica Strauss. So not a pseudonym for Wendy Lee. It's an entirely different voice actor. Dang, they sound so similar. I thought it was her. But either way, um, 
the point I'm trying to make is if they had brought in like the heavy hitters at the time, the the big names in dub at the time, I feel like it would have felt just like a, a cowboy bebop rehash because they had Ed's voice actor and then they had Spike's voice actor. Uh, not that Spike would voice Nauta, but I don't know. I agree with you. I think that Ed's voice actress would have been a better fit for Haruko. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a shame that she didn't get that role. But the Haruko one was fine, just not during like the crazy moments of the show. And so that brings us to our final thoughts of a very confusing episode on Furikuri. <laughs> was the episode confusing or is Furikuri confusing? Honestly, our episode was probably confusing <laughs> trying to explain what was happening in this show. <laughs> so, yeah, whichever end of the confusing spectrum you want to look at. But how many scooting stars out of 10 would you give Furikuri? Um, I gave it an 8 when I first created my mail. And rewatching it now, because it's been years since I've rewatched it, I would still give it an eight. Um, I'm not trying to be elitist. I swear to God, I still, I, I'm still, you know, fine admitting that I don't understand what the fuck's happening in this show. But I just thoroughly enjoy it, and I'm trying to not allow nostalgia to play a heavy hand in my rating. But it really does hold up. Like I watched Trigun again with you when we first started this podcast. And as much as I still love Trigun, that one did not age nearly as well as Footy Cootie did. I just really appreciate the care um, and like love that went into the animation. I think despite not knowing what the fuck's going on, I could still appreciate some of the more obvious themes that are happening in the show. Um, and I just love the fact that they're trying to marry the theme of like adolescence with fucking mechas and guitars and Vespas and stuff. Like, it's just a weird, um, a weird combination of random things put together to make this very entertaining show that no one seems to understand. (laughs) So yeah, I'm sticking to it. I'm still giving it an eight out of 10. What about you? I was contemplating rating this on a lower end. But you know, after giving it some thought, I decided to cut it a little bit of slack. I would rate the show 7 out of 10, which I believe on mail is good. Not great, but good. And I'd like to take a quote from Nauta from the show. I think he says this at, at, during like one of, like the episode with Mamimi. I don't know where the lies end and the truth begins. And you know what, Nauta? Neither do I. <laughs> I think just like as with Sunny Boy, I realize that things that are abstract, uh, I tend not to gravitate towards. And I think the story with Furikuri was just a little too abstract and erratic for my liking. And maybe as with Gurren Lagan, which I also, when we reviewed that way back at the beginning of Strictly Anime, that was a show that I wasn't too hot on as well. I think nostalgia, whether or not you like it, it it does play a major factor as to why this show has kind of gained a huge cult following. And obviously to this end, I can't relate because I didn't watch this show. Like I didn't grow up watching the show on Cartoon Network or, or Adult Swim. I will, however, commend the show for its groundbreaking animation style for its time. Again, the early 2000s, kind of that golden age for anime. And it's meta humor, it's self-aware humor, and the metaphors and allegories that I now understand since we've discussed this and I, I, I did my research after the end of it. So maybe a second rewatch 
in the future will change my opinion. Maybe I'll move on to Furikuri Progressive and Alternate Alternative, right? The the two other seasons. Yeah. But maybe I'm just too smooth brained for this show. <laughs> you need at least three watches. Not gonna lie, that that was the the common saying back in the day was you need to watch it at least three times to understand. It. So mm-hmm. that just tells you how fucking confusing it is when you don't even get two watches. You need three watches to understand, like to start to understand what Footy Cootie is all about. And okay. I've given it way more <laughs> watches than that, and I'm still confused. Well, I'll probably give it another five years before I rewatch Footy <laughs> Well, at least you can say you have watched it. It's one yeah. of those those like popular cult classic anime that you can now check off your list um and say that you've watched even if you retain none of it after this yeah i've ranked up a level i I feel like i'm now to now (laughs) growing up you're becoming a real weeb (laughs) no we're already weebs let's be honest but thank you everyone for joining us for this um confusing episode about this confusing anime um hope you stuck through it as we tried our best to coherently explain this episode i'm sorry this anime after talking about the attack on titan episode that recently happened man our brains need a bit of a our brains are smooth right now (laughs) but yes we appreciate it um thank you for joining us i hope that you also like when we do these classic anime reviews or throwback anime reviews because it is a lot of fun to gush over something that we have a lot of nostalgia around But with that, that wraps up episode 73 of Strictly Anime. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday. Join our Discord to continue the conversation if you can wrap your head around footy cootie. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly series, Twitter at Strictly series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you'll also find more info on Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.